You ready, Bass? Ready. Three, two, one. Welcome back. The gang's all here. We're together again. Sips back off his uh, his vacation. Where Parker's sitting in front of our giant Nebraska map in the office. I'm at my desk. Well, all three of us are in the office. building. All three of us are in the building, but none of us could can hear. I can see Parker out of my periphery, but that's about it. I can't see Sybil because he's in his office. So, <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's uh, 1.54 p.m. here on Thursday, July 8th, 2021. It's a Husker Extra podcast. We're uh, rolling along here. We still don't have an AD at the University of Nebraska. The basketball team has picked up a new commit. Uh, the MLB draft is coming up this weekend. We got a lot to talk about. So uh, we're going to get right into it with hoops. Uh, as you are probably aware of by now, the Huskers landed a grad transfer guard from Arizona State, Alonzo Verge Jr. Um, averaged 14 points, 3.9 rebounds, 3.8 assists last year for the Sun Devils. Probably best known for a game two years ago that uh, set college basketball Twitter on fire when he uh, came off the bench to score 43 points against St. Mary's. He had 43 of Arizona State's 56 points in a 40-point loss to St. And they Mary's. lost by 40, yeah. Yeah, they, they lost 96 to 56. He had 43. He was 18 to 29 from the field. His teammates were 5 for 35. There's only two other Arizona State players that even scored in the game. So, basically – what this amounts to is a, uh, a replacement for Delano Banton after Banton uh, announced his intentions to stay in the draft, the NBA draft, uh, six days ago, actually. Yeah, uh, while you and I were podcasting, Baz. While you, yeah, that news actually broke while we were podcasting. So I had to Thanks a lot, Delano. Really. Yeah, way to go, Delano. Enjoy your millions of dollars. I hope wow. you feel good for oh, congrats. the podcast. Yeah, that's great. Really happy for you. But um, anyway – no, it's Come it's on. a cool deal for Delano, and it's it's it, it amounts to Nebraska basically picking up a free agent for one year. Uh, Verge's Verge can score, uh, average double figures over his two seasons in Tempe, uh, has put his name into the NBA draft each of the last two seasons, and and then come back to school did it again this week, and actually, excuse me, worked out for the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday yesterday uh, before committing to Nebraska today. Yesterday was of course the deadline for. Um, college players to take their name out of the draft. They wanted to maintain their eligibility. So Verge got his workout in Charlotte, pulled the name out, committed to Nebraska this morning. And now Nebraska's got uh, another guard to throw in the mix with as they get ready to head into the season. So what's the guard roster look like, Baz? Well, you're looking at Verge. You're looking at uh, Trey McGowan's. Um, you're looking at Kobe Webster. Those would be the, the two guys or the three guys with the most experience. Um, you probably throw um, Bryce McGowan's into that group, kind of a guard forward type. Uh, CJ Wilcher will fall into that. Yeah, group. That's, uh, yeah, they got a lot in that, in that spot. Yeah, Karan yeah. McPherson, the transfer from uh, JUCO, JUCO transfer, and then um, yeah, that's th- those are kind of and Keon Edwards, uh, the transfer from DePaul, uh, who was a top 100 guy coming out of high school. So there's a lot of options there. Obviously, you, you kind of know what you have in, in Trey McGowan's and, and um, Kobe Webster, but there's a lot of intriguing Bass. pieces behind those two. Here's a critical question. Okay. Banton shot 25.7% from three-point territory last year. What's, what's the new transfer shoot? Verge shot about 34% last year, um, shot 29% his first year at ASU, shot 34% last year. Um, so improved it. Um, you, you could probably call them an upgrade in that department. They're going to lose, obviously, some length. Uh, Verge's 6'2", 170. Delano Band, of course, was 6'9". They had the wingspan and all those sorts of things. So you're losing some size, but Verge is more of a, a, a slashing-type guard who's maybe a little better jump shooter. He shot at a really high level in Juco, which everybody shoots at a really high level in Juco, so take that for yeah. what it's worth. But um, a, a little better. Uh, percentage-wise on about the same number of attempts last year. So you're you're getting marginal improvement there, I would say. Okay, interesting. Um, and he's a guy you would expect would come in and be part of the rotation right yeah. away. Yeah, he started uh, 21 games at Arizona State last year. Uh, and the year so he might not only be part of the rotation, he might be one of your better players. Yeah, he might be one of their better players. He might be starting uh, from day one, depending on how they want to – 
they want to set the lineup up. He was also the sixth man of the year in the Pac-12 two years ago when he has four or three-point games. So an average uh, after his first five games in 2019-20, he really struggled those first five games. Then his last, I think, 11 or 12 or something like that, he averaged like 18 a game after that and shot it really well. So he's a guy that's clearly pretty comfortable in either role. He doesn't need to start. It doesn't seem like to – to have success. He's a guy that's been in the game now for a long time, two years at JUCO, two years at ASU, now at Nebraska for his fifth year. So bring some experience, some leadership, uh, that sort of stuff to the role. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be intriguing. Do I, do I pencil him into the starting lineup right now? Not necessarily, because I think you've got guys like, like Trey McGowan's like Kobe Webster who started last year. And then do you want to go a little bigger, you know, with lap my in and, you know, some guys like that. Yeah, you know, Bryce McGowan's. Yeah, Bryce McGowan's. Where does Wilhelm Breidenbach, Eduardo Andre? Yeah. You know, there's well, – Yeah, you know, Wiltshire. Derek yeah. Walker. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. There, so there's a – and from, from everything I've heard, C.J. Wiltshire's been maybe the best shooter on the team in summer practices. So where does he fit into this as well? So, yeah, there's, there's some options there. There's certainly a lot of depth there and a lot more athleticism there. And it's been another – you know, kind of like last year from the year before, last year to this year, I think is a pretty significant talent upgrade just across the board. So there's going to be some options there for, for Fred Hoiberg and company when they come time to, you know, figure out these lineups. It's so interesting when in, in college basketball nowadays, like you got a guy who puts his name in for the NBA draft four months before the season starts. And although you obviously lose some creativity and playmaking with Banton, it's not really – there's, there's no panic. You just go find another player who scored yeah. in a major conference last year. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the visual that you laid out there, Baz, you mentioned it, you almost just sort of gloss over it. Like, oh, yeah, he worked out for Charlotte on Tuesday and committed to – or Wednesday, committed to Nebraska on Thursday or, or uh, Tuesday, yeah, yeah. Wednesday, or whatever it is. It's, it is just literally like free agency. Like it, it, I'm just, it, he's yeah. just, he was just literally weighing his options of like, am I going pro? Am I staying in college? And where am I going to play? Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, Kofi Coburn at Illinois is basically doing the same thing, yeah. you know, yeah. put his, put his name in the draft and then entered his name in the transfer portal and then decided, well, I'm not going to get drafted. I'm going to go back to school. Now, where am I going to go? And he's just weighing his options. So there's, it's, something you're going to see and we say this all the time, but it's something you're just going to see more and more and more of uh, as you know, with NIL, with the ability to have the one-time free transfer with all those other things. And it, it, it really, they're basically renting this guy for one year. Like he'll probably live in Lincoln for eight months, nine months, and, and that'll be it. And they'll, they'll get the one season of basketball out of him, and he'll move on. He'll have his, he'll have his degree, his graduate degree and, and probably try and play pro ball somewhere and be out of eligibility. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Like how this works now, you know, and you look at, we've talked about all oh, Nebraska going to have this great quarterback. They're going to have all these returning guys back. And then you look at the roster, they have like eight new guys on the roster mm-hmm. this year and, and half of them are transferred. I just More think that's the world, transfer. right? Isn't that's the world. Yeah. Doing that? yeah. Yeah. Everybody's doing, that. everybody's doing that. Nebraska's not, Certainly not the only one. Kentucky's doing oh. that. You know, North Carolina, yeah. Duke. Oh, America, simple. America's one big transfer market. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is a – I don't want to have the discussion because I don't even have a – I only I only think about it in fleeting – kind of in fleeting moments. I just wonder if it's a – if it cuts into the appeal of the college basketball – of college basketball in general. I don't know if it does or not. I don't know if people care. It, yeah. it cuts into the appeal for me, I, or I would say I liked it better when Nebraska had guys that you followed from their freshman year to their junior, senior year. Like I go back to Brian Carr. I remember him when he came in and then watched him progress through, through his career. Dave Hoppin, same way, player after player. I mean, where now you just, that's just not the world anymore. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, like, which is fine. Look, I'm not, I'm not complaining. About yeah. It. Look, if Nebraska wins 23 games this year, you think anybody's going to care how long these guys are here, you know, and if they I don't, get into the tournament, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. No. Um, it's a, I'm, I'm talking kind of a, in a broad sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, does, it does it's make it. Discussion. Yeah. What's that? It, well, it does make it. So you're, you're perpetually in, you're like almost perpetually in rebuilding mode. 
um, with the number of players. I mean, the average in Division One is like four or five guys per roster now. You know, I mean, you're talking about a third or more of your roster. And so one way or another, you're, you're rebuilding or reloading or whatever, restocking every year. And it's sort of weird because it's there's definitely programs that are models of stability and they win year after year. But it, it feels like you're never there's not many programs out there where you can say, well, they're just really stable. They just there's some, but everybody. But it also on the other end of it, it's always like you might be one year away from being good. You know, if you can find the right guys and put the right pieces in place you know, there's opportunities to go get players. And so I don't know. It's an interesting, it's just interesting. It is. It's really, it it is. is. Go ahead, Baz. I was going to say, I'll give you guys an example. Um, Nebraska has one open scholarship for the 2022, 2023 season. So not this season, but the next season, they have one open scholarship. They're not just recruiting one guy for the 2022 class. Like they, they recruit, knowing what's probably going to happen in the offseason yeah. that two or three of these guys are going to leave. We know we can probably, we're hoping we can land a couple high school kids. Maybe we get Isaac Trout from Grand Island or Jason Green from Miller North. Maybe we pick up a big time transfer out of the portal. Like you just, that's how you recruit. So you look at their roster and you go, yeah, man, they're set up. They're going to have all these guys back. Oh, let's continue. Well, no, that's, that's not going to happen. That's just not the way it works. And they'll, they'll be guys that, will need to be replaced next year. And so they have those 12 scholarship guys. Now they might not have 12 scholarship guys by the end of March, you know, they might have nine or 10. Baz, you wrote a good story about Shannon Lum um, last weekend. And that's part of her job, isn't it? Like as, as the recruiting coordinator, like it wasn't sort of organizing how they, and Nebraska, I mean, Matt Albemassey's recruited transfers for as long as he's been doing this, but uh, that's part of her gig, isn't it? Is like organizing, tra- you know, transfer recruiting and, and all that, like that scene sort of. Yeah, and it was funny. It's funny you mentioned that because if you look on Twitter today, Shannon Lum uh, tweeted out a little smiley face emoji in the hashtag GPR not long after uh, this guy committed. So you have to think that she was involved with that uh, in some way or another and, and recognized this guy. So uh Look, it's, it's going to be Abdel Massey and, and Hoiberg doing the lion's share of the work on this. But you see, I think, the value in, in, in having Shannon Lum on staff because certainly she had a role in, in getting the Huskers organized and getting them in front of this kid and getting their message out. And so that's why, you know, you talk about Matt Abdel Massey being so good in the recruiting market, in the transfer market. And he is. He, he's as good as, there's, as there is in the country. But just having that extra set of eyes and, and that, that extra set of hands to handle some of the to work to get these things set up. I think you see the value in having a, a Shannon Lum now with, with this guy committing today. The, the answer to my question too, about popularity of the game, the place PBA will be packed this year. Yes. I mean, it, I mean that it, you, you won't, I mean, if there's any wane in popularity, you won't, it won't manifest itself in the form of empty seats at PBA, especially if the team is, gets off to a nine and one start. Oh, yeah, um, which is very so, possible yeah. with the schedule they're playing. Right, so there you go. We should mention that too. Then. Say that guy's yeah. name again. Alonzo Verge Jr. Alonzo Verge Jr. Alonzo Verge. Where's he? Do you know where he's from originally? It's from Chicago originally. Chicago um, player. Okay. He's yeah, he uh, he and uh, Glenn Watson and Isaiah Roby are kind of familiar with each other. The way it sounds, Roby played in some youth tournaments with him. Um, I think he was a JUCO guy, uh, went to Moberly Junior College, okay. college down in Missouri and averaged 31 points a game. His second year down there led the nation in scoring. So he's, it's been a journey for him. He was a, he was a high scoring guard in high school. He's a high scoring guy in, in junior college. He, he could fill it up at Arizona state and now he's going to come to Nebraska. So we'll see, we'll see what it looks like. Well, I'll tell you one thing, personal preference I like guys that can shoot better, guys that can defend. So if I have a chance to take one or the other, I like a guy that can put a ball in a basket. That's a pretty good thing to have if you're playing basketball. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was always a, it, can, it was always odd to me. There was times where I'd look at Nebraska's roster and be like, yeah, the guy can defend. That guy's super athletic, um, but neither of them can shoot at all. Uh, and yeah. I, I didn't. 
now I think Fred's chain, I mean, Fred's system demands that you have to be able to shoot. Yeah, it does. And you look at some of the guys coming in and, and the shooting should be improved. We, we still need to see it. Of course, this is a team that finished almost last in the country in free throw shooting last year. Uh, yeah, good point. Honestly, you know, with a lot of those guys that are coming back this year. So we'll see what it looks like, but on paper uh, it's improved, you know, I think, and this is no knock on him, but it improved when Delano Banton decided he was staying in the draft because he was, like you said, a 25% three-point shooter. Brought a lot of other stuff to the table as far as playmaking and, and knowledge of the game and vision and things like that. But, you know, kind of heard what he wanted to hear clearly in the pre-draft process and, and decided now is the time. Now, will, will he be an NBA draft pick? We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. But he's certainly got something lined up, whether he thinks he's getting drafted or whether he's got a promise to be a, an undrafted free agent. Uh, for somebody here in a few weeks. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it's funny because he leaves and everybody's kind of like, ah, not that big of a loss. Uh, oh, look, we added this guy that's scoring 14 points a game. And, and so it, it just tells you, I think, where this program probably is headed from a depth perspective, that it's not a huge, huge hit that they lose this guy. At least on paper, it isn't that they lose this guy uh, going forward with what they have and, and the guy they brought in today. All right. All right. Any, good podcast, guys. Hey, see you later. You know, hey, you're the segue, Baz. Speaking of drafts. Ah, yes. there it is. Yeah. Spencer Schwellenbach, the MLB draft starts Sunday, runs through Tuesday. Um, Spencer expected to be a, a high pick, whether it's first round, second round. He's going to be somewhere. He's going to go early somewhere to somebody. You know, some projections have him going 24th overall to Atlanta. You know, he could be a pitcher. He could be a position player at the next level, shortstop at the next level. Maybe some questions about his bat at the next level. Can he hit it well enough at the next level? But the guy's going to have options. And it's a it's a deal where Spencer really improved his stock as the year went along, especially with his ability to pitch, and especially with, I think, the performance he put on down in Arkansas, pitching the final six innings of that win over the, the Hogs. Uh, in the regional game, you get enough of that Lacroix there. So. Yeah, I was gonna. You, you, he's mixing five hour energy and Lacroix in, in the office. So what's going on? You he's got back. it. Five hour, it's a five he's hour Lacroix. Back. Yeah, yeah. The, the five hours hard to drink without something with it. You gotta have a chaser. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. You're you're welcome. But yeah, it's a it's a cool you know process for Spencer right now. Hoping to talk to him uh, in the next couple of days kind of get his thoughts on this whole thing. He went through this once when he was in high school. He was drafted by, I believe, the Washington Nationals uh, late rounds out of high school. Uh, and turned it down, came to Nebraska. That worked out pretty good uh, for both parties. So, you know, it's it's going to be a fascinating story to keep track of. Does he pitch in the major leagues? Does he play in the field in the major leagues? Does he do both? You know, that, that's a possibility, too. We, we'll just have yeah. to wait and see. It'll probably yeah, depend the majors on are more – yeah. The majors are more open to that than they. Yeah, and 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 not to compare the two, but look at what Shohei Otani's doing. And I'm not calling Spencer Schwalmbach Shohei Otani or anything like that, but it, he's a guy that shows that you can do it. You know, if if you if you want to try and do that, so it'll probably depend on where he goes as far as what team drafts and what organization he gets into and what kind of situation the minor leagues system is for that team but he's going to have a shot one way or the other to, to rise pretty quickly i think through through the ranks wherever he gets drafted if you have a if you have trouble getting a hold of schwellenbach i have some i interviewed his high school coach back during the late late in the season you know when we we're writing all about him and i never used any of it it was actually pretty good uh, so if you get in a, if you get in a jam let me know hey i'll do that Thanks for uh, thanks for letting the people know how the sausage is made. Yeah, there you go. That's a little inside look at how things work here over at nine twenty six P Street. Yeah, I mean, I think we. I just think in all aspects of life, transparency is good. Except for my personal life, right? Well, draw yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, no, no one wants to hear about. Right, draw the line. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah Baz, no, I, what about what about the other guy? I mean, there's some other interesting names for for like in terms of Nebraska baseball in the draft, right? Not only like a Kate Povich or or someone like that, but also uh, Drew Christo and Chase Mason, among maybe a couple others in the in the recruiting class too. Yeah, you kind of touched on the on the main on the main ones. Uh, it looks like it looks like Cade Povich is going to get drafted. Uh, it's just a matter okay. of where. Um, okay. Uh, which maybe. 
maybe a little surprising. Maybe not. He obviously had a great year for Nebraska. There's no doubt about that. But that's a guy that played one year at Juco Ball, came to Nebraska, was a stud for two years, and now is going to going to go pro, you know, and, and the same can be said for this high school class. And it, it that's where I think the real intrigue lies. Like we know, well, well, we know Spencer Schwalmbach's not coming back. Like he's gone. That's great. He's a great player. We know Cade Povich isn't coming back, but you start looking at this recruiting class and you look at Drew Christo, who's, you know, maybe the best high school boys athlete in the state this year. Um, 6'5", 250. He's a guy that if he comes to Lincoln, He's going to step on campus and maybe be a weekend starter from day one for, for oh, Nebraska. Hello. He's that kind hello. of talent. Hello. Oh, and um, Chase Mason, the guy out of South Dakota, you'll love this guy. Sip. Six foot five, 220 pounds. Scouts have called him Roy Hobbs uh, for the power he has. It's just, it's raw power. It's like, it's freakish power, light tower power. But, and, and scouts drool over that but there's he needs to develop a little bit because he he comes from a really small high school uh, up in South Dakota Viborg Hurley and maybe hasn't seen the high level of competition that some of these guys have and but he's a guy with you know just a beautiful swing is a he's a great athlete he was a quarterback on their football team and had FBS football offers Wyoming uh, I believe San Jose State offered him the Dakota schools offered him to play football you know he's a he's a state t- champion track athlete like he's just one of those you talk to people around the program and people in the know and they tell you like the potential is there for him if he comes to Nebraska to be like a a high first round pick if he's able to put it together uh in Lincoln so but if he goes in the right spot this weekend he may not ever may not even get to Lincoln what's the the right spot well it's you know a lot of these guys have a number in mind as far as money that they, they want to make. And, and a lot of them don't share it, which is fine. And so I suppose if a team comes to Chase Mason and says, you know what, we want to draft you and we want to pay you whatever it is, a million dollars or whatever it is, then he probably doesn't come here, you know, but if he doesn't get the offer he wants and ends up in Lincoln, then Nebraska's got him for three years. And all of a sudden now you've got a, a major, major bat in the middle of your lineup with a ton of potential. Another kid that can maybe step in and play quite a bit right away. Not saying, excuse me, not saying he would start or anything like that, but a guy that's, that's got a lot of untapped potential there. So yeah, those two guys are two guys to keep an eye on. Obviously where Cade Povich goes, does Jackson Hallmark get drafted later rounds? There hasn't been a lot of buzz about him. He could still come back to Lincoln for another year if he wanted to, but led Nebraska in hitting, led the big 10 in hits, you know, and, and, kind of has that right attitude to be a professional ball player. Does he go in one of the later rounds or does he decide to come back to Lincoln? So there's a, there's some things to keep an eye on there. And yes, it's, it'll be interesting to see where Spencer Schwalmbach goes, but I think the real intrigue is where those guys that aren't on campus yet, what they end up doing and the decisions they'll have to make uh, after this weekend. Wow. So you, do you think uh, Christo and Chase Mason, are you looking at Sunday that they would be picked uh, probably not Sunday. Uh, I, I don't see it. You know, uh, that'd be first round, first or second. Oh, that, round. It all, oh first and second round. Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's a three day. It's a three, it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's, it's a 20 round draft this year. And it's normally 40. So the, it's still half of what it was, you know, a couple of years ago. So, you know, could they go Monday? Possibly. Could they go Tuesday? Possibly. They, they'll certainly both, I think will probably get picked somewhere. It's just a matter of where they get picked if they get picked high enough, if they get offered, you know, the right amount of money that, that they've kind of settled on as, as far as what they want to see. Baseball, baseball is interesting that way where like you have your, you have a draft pool, like a boat, a pool that you can pay and it's based on where your positioning is. So like if you're picking in the top, let's say you're picking in the top 15 and you take a college player who doesn't have the option. Now this year, everyone has the option of going back to school, but if you, there's a college player who you know is going to sign and you end up paying them less than slot, they call it, you know, then now you've banked money in your pool so that you can overpay somebody who you take in the second or third round. So a lot oh, of times, okay. a lot of times you'll see like, a lot of times you'll see the high school kids that maybe a team thinks they can sign. They'll try to draft them in the, in the, like either the, the competitive balance round after the first or in the second or third round. And they've got basically a set amount where if they know they're getting their first rounder for 500,000 under slot, then they can overpay a high school kid in the next rounds. 
And then sometimes you'll see, like, if, if, if nobody's going to meet Drew Christo's number and he doesn't get picked in the first, let's say, like, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it is, maybe four or five rounds, you might see someone just draft him in the 19th or 20th round just in case something weird happens. Then they've got yeah. the rights to him if, if some – you know what I, I that 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 would be extremely unlikely but you just take a guy late in baseball just on the off chance that maybe you know something happens and okay hey I, i'll sign that doesn't typically not the way it works but if he doesn't yeah. go in the first handful of rounds um that probably means that teams aren't willing to match his number right now so yeah. baz you're locked in monday tuesday or mo- sunday monday tuesday yeah, I'm locked in. I'm I'm full. I'm full MLB draft. I'm Tim Kirchin, uh Sunday through Tuesday. I'm locked R. in Tim. MLB draft. I'm yeah. I'm R Tim Kirchin. So yeah, should, no, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, that is that is that that'll be sort of fun, right? Yeah, um, I'm sure it will be a lot of fun for Will Bolt and those guys when they're trying to figure out if they if these dudes are going to wind up on campus or not. And and there's some others too. You know, there's a a kid by the name of Mikey Pauly that Nebraska's got signed that all of a sudden has gotten football offers from Kansas state and Kansas uh, in the last couple months to play quarterback. He's a quarterback down in Kansas city area. So, you know, there's the transfer portal too uh, on that part of it. So there's, there's a lot of intrigue with this recruiting class and it tells you kind of the level that, that Will Bolton, the staff has recruited at over the last year without really being able to get out and see guys or have guys visit. They've got some high level guys in the boat. Now it's just a matter of can you keep them in the boat and, and get them back to shore here. Baz, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, your your beats are interesting right now. Always. They're never not interesting, bro. Right. You know what I'd Baz, like? Uh, you know what, what I'd like? An uninteresting offseason. That's what I'd like. I don't know well, if we're gonna the, have those. Well, there's well, there's no drama. There's no, you know, oh, I don't know, for example, searching for an athletic director a month before three weeks before football practice starts, things like that. Too much to ask for. Yeah. It keeps us employed, which Uh, I still got mortgage left. So I'm (laughs) happy to work. I'm happy to work. Simple. You've been on vacation theoretically for the past, what, like two weeks? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. So you left on vacation for those who have not followed the saga closely. You left on vacation on a Thursday night. You got on an airplane. And then on Friday morning, Bill Moose was retired. (laughs) He was retired. retired. Will you retire? (laughs) And Bill said something to the effect of, I don't know if this is the right time. And then somebody said, well, what if we give you $3 million, which is essentially all of the money you're owed over the next 18 months. We just give you most of it now and the rest of it in January. And then he said, apparently, this is the right time for me to retire. <laughs> yeah. We asked so, him two questions and both times. He said, apparently, apparently, this was the right time. And we've talked about that element of it on the podcast, Baz and I, over the last uh, couple, well, last week. So... I guess, um, how do you, you haven't been, you haven't been working in the sense that you haven't been writing since, um, that, that weekend, but you've been working in the sense of like, you've talked to a lot of people, you're on the phone a lot, you've, you've been in town and sort of sizing up the situation. So I guess like, can we, let's just start this portion of the conversation by turning it over to the columnist and like, where do you think this stands right now? and, And what have you how would you describe the last, the last couple of weeks and, and, and where we've gotten to in, at this point in the search? Well, it's, I mean, some of what we will say now is conjecture. Some of, we do know some things yeah, um, because we have sources that are in some cases really close to what's going on. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the first thing people sort of wonder is what the timetable is. Um, I had been saying I'd be surprised if it goes past July 15th. I had been saying that up to early this week and now it's shifted a little. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it went past July 15th. I do think it'll be in that range though. I think the 15th to 
uh, I don't know, the 23rd or 24th. I'd be a little surprised if they bump it right up to August 1. Um, there's no real rush, though. And I think, I, I mean, my kind of stance right now is give, give Ronnie Green, give the search committee, give the uh, search firm, whoever, give them room to operate. It's, it is really important. It, it, there doesn't need to, it doesn't really need to be a quick turnaround. I, I'll get to why I thought it might be in a second, but it doesn't need to be. Parker, you've mentioned Bill Moose. It took five weeks to hire Moose, a little yeah, different. Yeah. He's like when Graham Spanier replaced Bob Devaney back, back in the 90s, in the nine, early 90s, he, he said this could take months. Um, so it's not, you know, with an AD, it doesn't have to be a quick turnaround. The reason you thought it might be is because typically when you make a move on a position of that magnitude, a lot of people that have been in the industry just assume, oh, they must have their guy. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. made, they made a move on Moose. They must have somebody, which kind of gets us into what we know. We know they, I mean, there was definitely contact with Pollard, Jamie Pollard. Yeah, yeah from Iowa State. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the Iowa State AD. Now, you know, I was going to write a little bit about this weekend. I mean, I think there's a – John Cook is involved at some level. Um, and I think they're they're looking outside too, not, not, yeah. not surprisingly at all. I mean, of course they are. Um Especially you'd say that at this stage, if they haven't just named somebody in house, then um, then you just figure, yeah, they're looking at outside candidates. It's interesting, simple, like, and we can talk more about maybe other candidates or whatever, but it's interesting the way that this gets portrayed. I mean, like no one would argue at, at Wisconsin this summer that, I mean, Barry Alvarez just retired, right? He had a decorated career, however many years in the athletic department after being the head coach. He knew for quite a while he was going to retire. They announced it. And not only did that search from the time that they announced that Barry was retiring and they began the search for his successor, not only did it take several weeks, but they interviewed a lot of people and they even brought, you know, that in, in among the reported finalists were outside candidates like Beth Getz from Ball State. Okay. And then at the end of the day, they hired the guy who had been Barry's number two for the last few years, Chris McIntosh from in-house. So Good there's point. a situation where a several week search where you maybe go around a couple of times, you find some outside candidates, you have someone, you know, is an internal candidate. And if eventually, even though you talk to people outside the building, you land on someone internal, that all seems very normal. You know, uh, the, the circumstances point. here might feel a little bit different because of the, way that Moose's departure happened. Um, but it's really not that different. I mean, administrative searches, like, and I'm not, I don't, it's not my job to sit here and like provide a bunch of cover for Nebraska and say, oh, well, just be patient. This stuff takes time. But the reality is that most of the time AD searches don't take a week or a few days. I mean, they, they mostly take time and it's not like a coaching search. Like there's nobody decommitting or leaving the school because, Garrett Classy is the interim athletic director and they don't have a permanent, it's different than a coaching search, you know? Yeah. So, I'm glad you mentioned Classy too, because Classy would be a guy that would, you'd certainly regard as a, a viable candidate. Yeah, um, yeah. And probably is someone that is going to get consideration or is getting consideration. And I'd say Trev Alberts belongs in that category along with John Cook. Trev Alberts hasn't pulled himself out of anything that I know of, um, which he did last time. Um, last time around when they hired Moose. Yeah, pretty quickly, right? Pretty quickly. Yeah. It was like a week after Icorse was fired. He sent that letter to the staff at UNO and said, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Yeah. I don't think there's been any, yeah. I don't, if there's been a, a letter like that, I don't know about it. Um, but I, I don't have the sort of inroads into Alberts that I might have to a few other guys. Um, I know Mark Manning, the wrestling coach is, would be interested in that position. Um, so yeah, they have some. They're definitely some internal interest. And you wrote about Classy; um, he would be interested. Yeah, yeah, so it's have, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Go so, ahead. No, you go ahead, Parker. Well, Classy's forty-four. You know, so he's still on the young end. I mean, that's not that's not unheard of to have an athletic director of that age. But 
he's a guy who's moved around the country a lot and moved, you know, I guess sort of up the ranks. He was an athletic director at Illinois Chicago for two years. And then he took a step down, I guess you could look at it that way from being a sitting athletic director to being a deputy here because he knew that the biggest hole in his resume was that he didn't have high level administrative experience at a school like Nebraska with football, you know, big time, big time football, $135 million budget. UIC is like 20 million. So it's a different, I mean, it's a different animal. There's no doubt about it, you know, so whether this ends up being a moment and the people I've talked to about Garrett have said he's sort of made for this environment, this era of college athletics where there's a lot of change and you might need someone who thinks a little bit more like an entrepreneur than as a, you know, as a, just a middle of the road administrator. Does that make him the perfect candidate? I mean, he doesn't have experience dealing with coaches uh, that make 5 million or 4 million or a department that has 350 people. And so those are all questions to be answered. Um, but I think it's fair to say that he's, he's involved in this process. In yeah. Case. And the other name that we didn't mention, I, 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 and I'm remiss not to mention, we're remiss not to mention is Matt Davison. Um, now he's polarizing. Um, you get that from talking to people. I, I don't mind saying I'd be very, I mean, Davison makes a lot of sense to me on a lot of levels, um, mainly the levels of fundraising, which he was the principal fundraiser for a $155 million indoor facility. Probably the project wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have got done without him. And he, it was his brainchild. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of that is he worked in, you know, Nebraska's recently moved its multimedia operations in-house. Um, and he has been a part of their multimedia operation for 18 years, a very big part of it. And he was a great salesman. Um, now, you know, does that, is he ready to be the AD? The reason I'm intrigued by Matt is because his heart is all in. I mean, he'll, he is, uh, he's very interested in, you know, Nebraska, you know, just Nebraska being great at everything and, and he's a Nebraskan. So there's, I mean, I don't know. I think Matt is a long shot. I think Matt would agree that he's a long shot. I would almost say classy's a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'd say cook is a long shot. Um, I don't know that I'd say Alberts is a long shot. I don't, I don't have a great handle on the Alberts situation. What, what do you make of the one more name to throw in the, in the hat here while we're ripping through them? What do you Baz make of, of the the Ed Stewart situation? He uh, Baz is headed out. He he's got a uh, he's got a commitment with the with the little with the little guy. I think that he's got to get to. Um, because well, yeah, Ed because Stewart, Ed Stewart's name, out. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he flared up right away, and it's kind of it's kind of cooled down quite a bit over the last maybe a week or so. Well, he Ed Stewart flared up for a, for a couple key reasons. He's all his name has always come up. It came yeah. up, I believe his name came up when Eichhorst was hired two two ADs ago. Then his name came up again when Moose was hired, before Moose was hired, before Eichhorst was hired. Now his name came up again. And a part of that was because Lars Anderson um said that he was the guy. Lars Anderson tweeted the day that Moose was when his retirement was announced, Lars Anderson tweeted that um, Ed Stewart will be the next AD essentially. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of yeah. the reason. And it's, and he certainly has the sort of resume that you have to look at for sure. So no, I, I yeah, you have to, he's, he has to be in the conversation. Um, I, but I just haven't heard much about yeah. anything that would suggest that that's going to happen, you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see on that one. It's a hard, that's a hard one to get my arms around too. Cause, cause really, really Ed has been a behind the scenes type of guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Trev Alberts is that way too, by the way, Parker, those guys aren't exactly tireless self, tireless self promoters. Right. Um, I think they do a lot of their work behind the scenes, which is pretty appealing to me actually. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the in the timeline. You know, it's it's interesting because we've we've you hear a lot, you write a lot, you talk to a lot of people, and at the end of the day, nobody really. I mean, you know, Ronnie Green knows to some degree um, what the timeline might look like, what it ideally looks like. Um, but other than that, I mean, you're sort of you're just trying to trying to piece it together and collect as much information as you can. But but we don't we don't know at this point what what the exact well, timeline looks like or who how wide the candidate pool might be right now today on July. No, 8th. we know they've talked to some national type candidates. Yeah, okay, we know yeah. that. Yep. Um, we know Cook's involved at some level. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's there's some other things we know that I wouldn't want to really talk about on in this forum, but um, and we know we know that that uh, Jamie Pollard and that Hank Bounds won't be the can't we won't be the answers right? Yeah, they like Hank kind of took himself out. Of, I think he took himself out of the equation. It's possible that they he was it was suggested that he won't be a candidate. But anyway, Hank. Hank made it clear early that he won't be a candidate, as did Pollard. So we do know that. And we do know that uh, Moose is out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and it, but I, I don't I, I think you got to keep an open mind now. Yeah. On this. Yeah, and that's what it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And the next I think, like I said, today's the eighth. Um, I'd be really surprised if anything happens today or tomorrow. Uh, so, or this weekend, but I don't know. I think we have to be on red alert next week when you're um, in the throes of, when do you actually get married? <laughs> uh, a week from today, Thursday. A week from last. today. So yeah, you, it'll be the last thing on your mind. Yeah. It's um. well, you, you, this, the, the first domino fell. Well, the first domino officially fell hours after you went on vacation. So yeah. perhaps the second domino will fall sometime after our flight tomorrow morning at 930. Well, you just need to enjoy your break. Probably not. Yeah, you won't hear from me. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Unless, I I, unless I've got, I, unless I've got information, I, I, I'll pass along information, but otherwise you will not be hearing from me. Okay. Um, okay, Parker, there's a lot. Where, what, where else do we need to go? Well, you know what's crazy, Sipple, is that I mean, one of the things I'm going to miss here over the next couple of weeks is is you guys are going to Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, the I guess the la, maybe the last thing to talk about before we jet here for the week is like, I mean, summer's almost over from the football perspective. You know, they're in the last uh, ten days or so probably of their summer conditioning program, and then or two weeks, I guess, and then. You know, media days are are in Indianapolis on the 22nd and 23rd, and Nebraska starts camp three weeks from today. So I it's mean, amazing. It's coming. It's coming. Summer's almost over. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, it's kind of the way it works uh, nowadays, and it, compared to last year at this time, it it feels a, a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Think what about we last, last year, year at this time. Well, oh, wow. last year at this time, if I remember right, because I, I went up north for a couple of days last summer. Remember that, and then and that was when the non-conference games got scrubbed. And it was going to be conference only, and then it was that way for a few weeks. And then they announced the conference only schedule August sixth, and then scrubbed the season five days after that. So there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of Big Ten rigmarole is what I remember. We were were writing a lot about the presidents and chancellors committee at this time. Yeah, it was a very kind of uncomfortable time. So this feels a lot more normal, but uh, there's there's going to be a lot to write about. Um, The season is come on. I mean, the the, the season got a little more interesting with the moose news. Yeah, and 100 percent. Yeah, it. I hate to say I think this is true. I know you could tell me I'm going overboard but it it feels more now like the quote-unquote referendum season it feels more like that no I don't think you are going overboard with that I I wrote I mean I wrote similar uh I talked to some people who definitely felt that way um in the in the days after uh, Moose's departure you know talked to both 
uh, Jerry DiNardo, who's a BTN analyst, obviously, and, and was a head coach at three different places. Um, and Mike Bellotti, who sat on both sides of the chair. I mean, he was a longtime coach at Oregon. And then he was the AD there too. And they both said, it doesn't matter. I mean, you could, even if, even if they had won seven games last year or something like that, it's still uncomfortable to have a new boss. I mean, there's some, like if Dabo Swinney got a new boss next week, he probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be that uncomfortable because he's bulletproof, you know, I mean, for several years at least. But anybody who's not winning at like a college football playoff level, there's going to be some level of discomfort if you get a new boss, just the way life is. You don't have to be a football coach to know that. And so coming off, you know, so 12 and 20 so far and thinking you're going to be pretty good, but not knowing exactly where the progress of your program is until you roll out there against Illinois on August 28th. Like that's not, there's some educating, like Scott Frost, whether he wants to or not, there's going to be a period where he is going to need to educate a new athletic director about the progress made over the past three years, because you can't open up the record book and say, see, look, you know, the, the, so that's um that's not an easy it's not going to i just i don't think it's going to be an easy transition for anybody and in particular not necessarily. for the football uh, no it's it's you know what parker what? now you've got some experience with this but referendum seasons i have a lot of experience with and they're 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 not comfortable i mean yeah. i can remember vividly the solich final season um and it was, it was not fair. It was very uncomfortable. The, so, the Callahan last season when Tom was weighing, Tom Osborne came on as AD and was weighing the situation. Very uncomfortable. We didn't know a lot yeah. what Tom was thinking. Uh, Bo <laughs> the Bo Pelini. How many referendum last, seasons? How many were there with Bo? How many referendums? There was were there two like three, or three, two? Yeah. arguably. 2012 maybe a little bit because they changed ADs right but for, for sure 13 and 14 including a moment in 13 where Bo Pelini li literally said fire me I don't give a shit um that, that's a, that's a referendum season for you that's um, a right, yeah <laughs> Riley wasn't really uncomfortable the Riley last season because he was a sort of devil's may care guy um, and, and because it just cratered so fast, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it yeah. went from like they were nine and five or whatever. Although even that, there was that was a little started to crater, seven and zero, and then but then when they lost to Northern I or Northern Illinois, it just happened so fast. Where it was like, oh, yeah, this is over. Yeah, that wasn't that uncomfortable. But we're used to these things, and here we go again. You know, I mean, yeah. um, so it's interesting I, because. I, I've been, I've been asked this a lot. And like, I, I just, I think it's worth pointing out that like a referendum season doesn't necessarily mean like if you go six and six or getting fired, you know what I mean? No. Like, right. it's not, it's not like that. Like people say, I, I, I am of the mind that the pressure is ramped up. Um, Scott and his staff and on the program. Now well, Scott knows it. A new athletic director, but I also, the people are like, well, do you really think he'd get fired after this year? And like barring just an utter calamity, no, I don't think that. Like I really don't think that. But, except, except the unknown. You don't know what the AD's thinking because we don't know who the AD is. Exactly, and that's why this period, this this period without an athletic director, is in some ways the least comfortable because you don't know who it is, and you can't start the process of all you can do is worry about winning at this point, right? Like you can't start the process of building a relationship with someone that hasn't been hired. And so right. to me, like, no, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's a number that has to be hit. Maybe a new athletic director will feel differently, but I do think that it becomes a lot more important that you make a favorable first impression on the field. Uh, and that Moose already had an impression. He saw every day of work that had gone into, he talked to us about it on his last day before he hit the road for Eastern Washington via Montana. And he talked about the depth of the roster and how it's gotten to a better point and it's built and built and built. And he thinks it's, he's going to be traveling from the ranch to the Rose bowl someday to watch Nebraska play in the Rose bowl. But like a new athletic director has none of those preconceived notions. 
shows up, knows what he or she knows, learns what he or she learns, and builds a foundation from there. And that's just a lot different than... Right. So that when we say, when we keep saying this referendum season, I'm not necessarily suggesting that we're weighing every game whether Scott Frost should be retained or fired. Right. It's more about the assessment's been ramped up a little bit. The intensity of the assessment seems like it's been ramped up. Um, with the possibility that a, a move might have to be made if it goes really awry, like you said. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm not going to write a column every week assessing whether Scott should be hired or fired. Um, the only way there should be fired or retained. The only way you get into that at a high level of intensity is if they start really poorly and it, you know, they're two and five, then, then it gets really, that that's, that's the only way I think it would happen like that. Right. August. I, I keep saying, I've said it so many times. We're going to keep saying it for the next uh, month and a half. It's going to feel like a really big game when you get the champagne on, on uh, August 28th. Yeah. So the games are all going to feel a little bigger in a, in a, in this type of season, you know, I mean, they're all, all that's the, that's the nature of it. And um, so it makes it sort of, I like it from our standpoint, um, but there's a lot of pressure on a lot of different people. And I feel, and I, you know, that's what they, they, you know what, those guys know what they got into. So um, it is what it is. Yep. You got to win Parker. Got to win. I was going to, I was going to use what you said about, they know what they got into to ask you what I'm getting into getting married in a week, but I think I'm just going to leave that. Yeah. I don't think I'm the guy to ask that. Oh, we'll just, (laughs) we'll shelve that one for now. Pick it up. One thing I'd say though, about the bottom line, I like the bottom line. I've I've told you this in our phone calls. There's a, there's a beautiful thing about the bottom line is it's very clarifying. Yeah. And, And it, I like that, you know, when we say it's a bottom line business, college football. It sounds sort of hardcore, but in a way it's good because it, it is very clarifying. Yeah. And for Frost, it's clarifying. He knows his record and that's clarifying. Frost would be the first one to say, I got pressure on me. Of course he does. I mean, if he's 12 and 20, that's the way it is. Yep. There that's you good. go. That's it. Welcome back. It's Welcome to be back, today. Parker. It's, it's good, good to be, be back. back. Um, and you, uh, I'm happy for you and your bride to be just um, just have a good time. We'll have a great time. And maybe there'll be an athletic director. I think there will be when you get back. To the, with, to the state. The 25th, yep. you'll be back at it. Back at it on the 25th. Uh, until then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you'll, you know where to get a hold of me. You got my number. Yeah. I gave you my number, right? I think I have your number. I'll, okay. I'll double check yeah. in my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Uh, that's all for today. Steve's back from vacation. He's taken over AD watch looking for the white smoke from North stadium. Uh, we got a ton of stuff. You heard everything from Baz earlier in the podcast about, about the baseball draft and about the hoops roster. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's no slow summer around here. Uh, so check huskerextra.com for all the latest, please. Consider subscribing, journalstar.com slash subscribe. Uh, Baz ducked out a little bit ago. That's simple. I'm Parker. Thank you for watching and listening.